So welcome to part three of this podcast. If you're uh, only just tuning in, uh, we've already discussed in part one, Solar Zero and how the learnings from Solar Zero can come to the UK to help make solar and batteries more affordable. Um, we've talked about in part two, Andrew's personal journey uh, through his renovation of his property and, uh, and the sustainability targets he had in mind and the challenges around integrating a heat pump in. And in, in part three, we're going to be talking about My Grid GB, which is a, uh, a Twitter account that... Uh, that Andrew runs. Um, so just just as a, for, for people at home, and, and for my benefit, to be perfectly honest, what is MyGrid GB? What's it telling us? Uh, yeah, and by the way, I was totally unprepared for that. I thought you, because we've, we've done about three takes every time yes. of the intro. You did that in one. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. That <laughs> was brilliant. <laughs> well done. I was like, oh, I don't need to don't need to concentrate. I get, I get smoother towards the back yeah, end of it, yeah. Slip, very yeah. slick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, what's, what's MyGrid? So yeah, I was, I was doing a PhD uh, Durham Uni um, and in renewables and everyone was like flipping heck Andrew what's the point of this that wind farm up the road for me it's never spinning half the time yeah. and why are you putting solar in the UK it's dark you know <laughs> I was like oh bloody hell and I was sat looking at all these numbers you know I mean like spreadsheet geek you know all these numbers about what renewables were doing and I thought we've got to start telling this story we've got to start communicating better about energy transition and then I thought, actually, if I, if, if I do that in the way I initially wanted to do it, it's going to have so much bias on, it's going to lose its credibility. So I didn't want to be going, you know, oh, wind's amazing, wind's going to change the world, you know, look at renewables, aren't they wonderful? So what, what I decided to do was I set up a little bot, and every four hours uh, at MyGrid GB, it tweets out where Britain's electricity is coming from. So it goes, say, oh, this moment, 40% some gas, 30% some wind, 10% for nuclear, you know, whatever it says. And it tells you how much carbon we're producing and what that is relative to, to a, a 2030 target. And I thought, this is, this is fine. Put some data out. You know, loads of energy geeks would be really happy. And uh, it very quickly snowballed. So um, one of my early followers and engagers was was Robert Llewellyn from the he does the fully charged show yeah, yeah. It, you know really really um and was Crichton as well and it was Crichton and Red Dwarf yeah. that's how I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah also the one I wanted to be in Red Dwarf yes. you know what I mean it was, it was great um and he was just yeah really great like he did a couple of retweets and it just spiraled and and now I can get like you know, a million impressions a month on Twitter really? Uh, and because of the lack of bias, all, all, I, all I do is give statistics and I've embellished it now with how much over the last four weeks, how much over the last year we got from different sources. Um, whenever we're free of coal, it tweets about when all the coal power stations are off. So some of those early headlines were people using using MyGrid GB mm. to get the data. Um, and I never, uh, you know, just never tweeted with bias. And I think it gives it a real credibility. So people who follow me... Um, you know, you have the head of uh, the sort of engagement person for the fracking industry follows and uses the tweets. Really? And the same time, people from Greenpeace are using it. <laughs> and so you get this really quite, quite interesting dynamic on Twitter with a, and a very broad spectrum of people using it and using the information for various things. And it's so nice. Sometimes you're like sat in a 
conference somewhere and someone's put a graph up from my website, you know, or someone tweets me and says, oh, thanks, you know, can I, I use this in my science lesson today? You know, it's like, That's fantastic. Physics girl, I think she's mm-hmm. called from, I think she's in the Lake District, but she always uses it in her geography, uh, physics classes, right. which I think is just really nice. And that's, not, you know, see, this isn't for, it's, it's completely uh, non, uh, non-biased. There's no, it's not, uh, it's not for commercial gain. Or no. Anything. This is just, so, but, but, What's it? What's it telling us? Let's say it's sharing this information about where, where, where the um, energy is coming from, and and the and the carbon impact of that energy. Yeah. But for 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 our viewers and a, and a homeowner that sat there, w- what does that information mean when it comes to the the my, the the price I pay for my energy? What 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 does that information tell us? Yeah. So it, it's done a couple of things. Um, I, I think for a consumer. You know, you, you plug in your TV into the wall, you turn your oven on. It's where's that electricity coming from? How are we making it? And, uh, you know, when I started the journey, you know, 30% of electricity was some coal power stations. And my grid followers have seen, my grid GB followers have seen how that coal's now plateaued to, you know, less than 1% of our, or in fact, I think less than half percent of our electricity use. It's seen wind and solar become... Uh, you know, bigger or the biggest you know, providers of electricity in the country. It's seen gas, I think, over the last um, four weeks, less than 40% of our electricity is coming from fossil fuels. You know, it's 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 sort of shown that journey and that transition happening. Um, if I was a homeowner looking at, looking at that, it sounds to me like fossil fuels are going down. Yep. Which, you know, carbon emissions are going down with them. Yep. So big Great. thumbs up, Happy everything's day, yep. going right there. So if I was a homeowner watching this, I'd be scratching my head going, well, why am I paying more now than I ever have done for my energy? Yeah, it's um, it's quite funny. Uh, it, it, it was the early days. Like, well, in fact, it's always, it's always been really good. Um, and I've done a little bit of media work through, through my grid and I've done lectures and things. And the thing I was always saying was, you know, because I, I started blogging alongside to say what I was thinking um, was – Turning off coal power stations isn't necessarily something we should celebrate. And the reason I was saying that was um, what what Britain's been doing is an amazing job in growing wind turbines and solar and producing more energy locally, but we've also transitioned over to something that's very dependent on gas and only gas. And three, four years ago, most of our gas coming from Norway comes to a, you know, and and some sort of pipe across the North Sea and people going, well, this is fine, Norway's stable, happy days. And I was like, well, yeah, that's fine. But what happens if that stops? What happens if there's a price shock? And, and I literally quoted saying, what happens if Putin's got his hand on the gas tap? The price of that gas will go up and all our energy bills will go up as a result. We, we don't have that backup from the coal power stations. And that's um, not, that when, when we're talking about that, when with the, the majority of homes in the UK, you're going to have... Um, maybe a, a dual fuel bill or whatever, but you're going to have an electricity supply yeah. and then you're going to have gas maybe for your heating, hot water, cooking, yeah. what have you. But just so we're clear that the the price of gas and the price of electricity are intrinsically linked. They're intrinsically linked, And that's yeah. because in, in some cases when we don't have enough uh, renewable energy being generated, we have to burn gas to to deliver electricity? Or? No, it's, it's really interesting. So... Um, Electricity isn't priced how you would think about it. It doesn't matter whether you've got a green fuel tariff or not. Electricity is priced in, in one way. 
um, and 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 I like to I like to, we might do a bit of an analogy, a bit of a role play, if that's oh, all right yeah. to describe it. So, um, you walk into uh, Asda, your local supermarket. What's the first thing you buy? Mm, good question. <laughs> uh, bread. Bread. And how much is your loaf of bread? Is it one pound ninety? I'll be say, honest, I don't do the shopping at all. Okay. All right. <laughs> Simon's gone in. He's he gets me out with the price of a pint, I can cover okay. that. <laughs> we'll go, okay, we'll do okay, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you've gone into the supermarket, you bought a two pound loaf of bread, you've now gone down the booze aisle, yeah, and left. you're gonna buy a nice bottle of wine. How much is your bottle of wine? Well, again, unfortunately, that's not me. But let's say I'm in I'm in the long shot, which is a, a, a pub I like to go to in the right. and I, and it's happy hour and I've spent I've paid three pounds fifty for a pint. Does okay, that work? it it kind of works. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather you stayed in Asda. But okay, bottle of wine seven quid. There we go. Okay, he's a white man. Good. Thank so God. Was, for, the, for the audience's benefit, that was the audience in the studio <laughs> shouting out, trying to jump in and correct Simon. So Simon's gone in reluctantly into the supermarket. He's got a two pound loaf of bread and a seven pound bottle of wine. How much is your shop? And nine pounds. No, in electricity world, it'd be fourteen pounds. Because in electricity world, you take whatever the most expensive thing was that was generating, and everybody gets that price. Okay. Mad, isn't it? So if, if right now, let's sake of argument, we're buying uh, 20% of our power is coming from nuclear at £50 a megawatt hour. Um, as I say, 20% nuclear. Uh, 60% of it's coming from renewables, and that's costing £60. And there's gas providing the rest at £200. All of electricity gets paid £200. Really? Yeah, that's right. And what that means is if the gas price shoots up and we've got nothing, no choice, but other than to burn that gas, that sets the price for the rest of electricity. There's a few nuances, and I'm sure people who know the industry, well, there's feeding tariffs and subsidies and this and that that fix Mm. the price. But fundamentally, the gas, though the most expensive generator, drives up the price of, of pretty much everything else. And we've seen that. We, we, I mean, the, the, the energy crisis, as it was called, it was directly linked to, um, to, to, the, to the, the war in Ukraine, the impact Correct. of that. Now, that isn't, as you say, not necessarily, you know, the, you know uh, Putin sat there pulling the lever, but ultimately the, uh, the impact of that war sent wholesale prices of gas through the, through the roof. The roof. And that means that across the board, everybody's paying more for their energy, regardless of where it comes Correct. from. Correct, yeah. But maybe right. oil, I think, kind of was isolated from it in a way. But but, but I, I think that the, the point was, is we, we were sat saying, it's okay, we're on Norwegian gas, it's stable, it's low price, happy days. That's and, interesting, though, you say that. Well, it, it is. And there's two reasons it's interesting. One, I always said, well, that's fine. But as long as, until, every, if everyone else starts running short in Europe, yeah. They're going to start buying Norwegian gas, and the Norwegians are going to put the price up. Yeah. The second thing I found out of a geologist friend of mine, a, a professor at Durham Uni, is that the gas pipe for Norway sits under and sits under a, a subsea cliff that could collapse at any point and really? take some of that out. Now I don't know if that's him exaggerating, <laughs> but the point is, it's a single source of supply, mm-hmm. and if we lost that, we're in trouble. And 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 what my grid GB says to me, and what I've written my book about, and what I've podcasted about is you need a variety of energy sources to keep prices low. Countries with diverse energy mixes have lower prices and more stable prices and are, are more able to take shocks. 
Yeah. It's incredible, though, that we've managed, you know, as a, as a civilized society to end up in this position because you take Norway as an example. They have spent a significant amount of time and effort and investment decarbonizing their homes. So they are significantly less reliant on gas, even though they can produce and distribute their own gas. So they they shifted away from it, knowing that if, in the time where something like this would happen, they would be isolated from that impact. Correct. Whereas it does feel a little bit like in the UK, like we've had a kind of, I don't know, it, it might sound bad, but a kind of drug dealer's approach to gas. We, we are absolutely hooked on the stuff. And, but the, like this energy crisis, the, the bang on it about you know, Putin's fault, war in Ukraine, it's, it's total policy failure, in, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something we need to learn from, maybe is a better way of saying it. Countries around the world, think, look at the Middle East, Dubai, Qatar, um, Abu Dhabi, Q- uh, Kuwait. They're selling all around the world and they're investing it in their economies. Australia is selling minerals, coal, and investing it in their economy. Norway set up a sovereign wealth fund. They sold the oil and gas abroad and invested that money back into Norway. What we did, we went, oh, North Sea gas, great. Happy days. Pump it in every house. 90% of our houses running on gas. And we're just burning the stuff. It's like you might as well just take all our wealth and burn it to keep warm. It's literally, it, it is, it, it is, it is as simple as, as that. It's as stupid as putting it like that, you know, that scene in... In Narcos, where Escobar burns a million dollars yeah. to keep his family warm, that's, that's it's not far off what, we're, why, what we've done. But that you would say all these other economies. Why, you know, I, I, I visited Norway not so long ago, and um, actually, when you talk to some of the Norwegians, some of the things that were done, you say setting up the sovereign wealth fund, it was seen at the time as a very, very, very negative thing. Because what the Norwegians wanted in the in the in the instant was let's use that to to take our bills down. The government stood strong. They put this policy in place so that the, the benefit at that time directly didn't impact the... They, they, the, took, they took a long-term view. Exactly, because those, those, those same people, that I'm sure, at that time were complaining about why are we doing this when we could be directing that to our homes and I'd be getting lower fuel bills and now uh, protected against what we're all going through. But if... if um, we, we, if we have been, if we're not going to say duped, but the, the conversation around the cost of gas was never something that was was widely discussed until we had the war in Ukraine, until we had yeah. the energy crisis. And that was because, and as I say, this kind of does feel like a drug dealer's approach to it. It's been, it's some cheap gas. You don't need to worry about gas. It's some cheap it, gas. I think it's, it's, it's been known for a long time. I mean, I was in school, you know, 50, 25 years ago, learning that the North Sea gas will run out. And I think it, what, what I've learned from this, and I think what we need to learn as a country is, if you've got a, a, a finite resource, you need to invest that resource into to getting off it. You need to think about sustainability. Sustainability is affordable energy forever. It's clean energy forever. Sustainability is not plastic packaging that you can only use once. It's reusable and recyclable uh, and materials, for example. And I think that sustainability mantra is actually really, really important. And I hope that we're not, you know, we're, we're very good uh, at looking at single issues. Mm. Like for example, 
it's Putin's fault with the gas. Is it, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a gas problem when actually there's a lot of things going on at the moment that we need to be to be addressing. Yeah. Um, on, on, on the gas front, a, a simple thing that we could do is, is, is decouple the price of electricity from gas, for example. So I, I did some analysis that just, just over three months this winter, if we, had, if we decoupled our gas price from electricity price, it would have saved three billion off uh, energy bills across the UK. Three but billion. You, you, three billion. One policy change. Three billion. But you know for a fact that the, the politician who will stand up and, and make that change has to be of the opinion that this is, this is great for the country, this is great for the environment, and this will benefit the people in the future. But when they first make that change, it's going to have an impact on people's pocket. I, th- I think it's, 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 it's a policy. It's hard to argue um, it's immediately good for the environment. It's hard to argue that um, it's immediately... Um, you know, uh, like it's hard to know intuitively that's the right thing to do. And this is where long-term thinking is important. Like as a very reactive policy, it was absolutely the right thing to do. You you, you could put more money in people's pockets than you could take in VAT. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, whatever Liz Truss's um, levy was, she had this levy thing. You know, it did more than that. But um, uh, I think I think practically it, it's 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 moving our energy policy from something that's very reactive to something that's very future thinking and sustainable. Yeah. A bit like what Norway's done, and. Um, that that's kind of I think like my motivation in the industry is and what I'm learning from my grid is is about how do we transition and it's an orderly transition how do we transition in an orderly manner off of fossil fuels yeah. which are fundamentally the problem and as they get um, less and less and we're using up more and more of that finite resource we're gonna end up with more of a problem so it's it's about getting away from that and we uh, do have these finite we do have renewable resources. We, we're, we have an extremely windy country. We are an island. We have access to hydro. We've, we can generate solar. Yeah. We, and hydro uh, power. power. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, so yeah, hydro power, solar power, wind power. Um, we, we've got an amazing wind resource. We've got a, a reasonable solar resource that can fill in some of the gaps. Um, we, uh, you know, have, have got a, an, a, we did have a pretty advanced nuclear industry. Um, very short-term thinking in the 80s killed that off, or you know, well, not killed it off, but did a lot of damage to that. Took yeah. a lot of the skills away from the UK. Um, it, but but you know, we, we've we've got a, and we've got a very innovative and a very creative country. Um, we've got amazing progress coming on in energy storage technologies, not just batteries, but heat. I mean, yeah. I, I've said for years, I think Sunamp, which is a heat storage company, is one of the most leading com- companies in the world in how they're thinking about storing heat energy. Uh, and I said that before any relationship with yeah. yourself, you know, I was so impressed by it. Um, you know, and I think if we if we set the mission, you think about the objective, the objective has got to be, to me, and it is wean off fossil fuels I, in I, an orderly manner I, you, and as quick as you can do it. It's a, I mean, I, I, I think that, that journey that we've got to go on uh, to... Well, we're on it. Yeah, it's not, uh, we've got to go on, we're yeah, on it. Yeah, but We're it's already the, on it. It's, the, 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 it's, it's, it's absolutely got to happen. And, it, you know, the... The truth of the matter is, it's going to be painful because you actually, you're actually, it's it's the equivalent of probably weaning a baby off uh, sucking their thumb. It's the why, why is it painful? I, I think right now there will be a lot of people that are experiencing extreme financial hardship 
at the fact, at, at the current energy bills. And we know there was people out there that are making a choice of either heating or eating. And this winter is going to be a painful winter for people. And that's that's the pain I'm talking about. Now, if, you, if we talk about that, that the ability for somebody in fuel poverty to make a conscious transition away from gas, bear in mind that it's, it's probably now equally as painful as going to an alternative resource. You've got to f- find the capital to make that switch to an alternative source that is going to have a direct impact on your income yeah, so like, how, how does someone choosing between heating or eating is the classic case afford renewable technology? And, mm. and uh, you know, it's absolutely how you got to think about it. Because to get to net zero, we need everyone to be able to access low carbon tech. And as a society, we've got to reduce energy bills because yeah. there's, there's too many people losing out yeah. and, and suffering. Um so when you say, I, I do disagree with you, I don't think the journey needs to be painful. I think it's the opposite. I think it should be about improving people's lives. And I think it can be about improving people's lives. And that's not just because, as I think, the planet can't cope with what we're doing. I think it's because the new technologies that are coming in can actually, as you say, heat people's homes up for less money. Yeah. There is a, there's be a more wider benefit, isn't there? You, you know yourself, there is money that is being spent optimizing the grid and making sure it stays it's it the frequency stays they need to be if if we were to redirect some of that capital and into making homes make that transition and make a, a clear business case from a financial perspective for for the customer make a clear business case from a financier and a lender's perspective to support that transition into the home this is what you're doing in New Zealand, where you're, you're helping people make this transition off uh, fossil fuels into solar, into battery, in a very compelling way that is not costing them more than what they're currently paying now. Yeah, and, uh, and it, 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 it stabilizes the bill as well. I mean, I, I think I, it, I, it'd be hard-pressed to find someone who thinks that gas prices or wholesale energy prices will... Over the long run, decrease. They, they might, they, they should, they should fall a bit after this, this, this mini crisis we're in. Mm. But I guarantee, in the next thirty years, there'll be another fossil fuel crisis, probably two of them. Well, this is this is and, it. We've got to, we've got to do as others have done in the past. We've got to use our clean energy resources, wind, solar, hydro, to reduce our reliance on gas, so that we are uh, just as the others have done before. We are far in, in far greater control of the assets that generate our energy. Yeah. But there, it does feel like there needs to be some state-owned assets within this mix where at the moment it seems to be everything is contracted out to, to other people to build resources for us. You know, where is our, UK, our kind of UK government-owned assets that, that enable us to say, we'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to take a hit on that. I don't know, like, it's like, I mean, I work in development of works in development of solar and wind and, and batteries and and competition's been really effective at driving the cost down that's true it's yeah. been really effective at um deploying rapidly it's been really effective at finding solutions to put in the you know that help communities etc uh for, and and i think you know to try and you know com- competition can be really effective and use it in the right place and, and where you kind of want competition is is on the generation building power stations 
where I don't think we need necessarily the competition is on, and where we well we don't have competition is on uh, the the power grid. So the power grid in the UK, there's one of them. There's one cable goes into your house that gives you power. And um, in a lot of countries in the world, including New Zealand, those networks are owned by you. We they're all owned by the consumer. They're a community asset. Mm. They're not paying a shareholder somewhere off on the other side of the world. Mm. They're owned to the community. And I think that's that's something where we can start to look at. It's a natural monopoly. It's not something where competition necessarily helps you. And uh, and, and something where you have that regulate monopoly, I, I think community ownership just reminds the, the heads of those companies yeah. that there's a community to serve. And I was sat with the head of, um, well, on a, on a Zoom call with the uh, CEO of one of the biggest lines companies in New Zealand, like, about two months ago, he's a good friend of mine. And he says, you know, it, it absolutely kept saying, Andrew, it's about my community. Andrew, it's about my com- yeah. community. If I make more than, I think it's a 6% he has to make, the money goes back to my community. And and that's, I think, where where we can be a bit more smarter about government ownership. I, I'm not really bought into this GB supplier company that I think Labour want to do or GB Energy. I don't think it's, it's putting, I think it's taking away competition from where you need it. And that the focus to me should be on the sort of, more regulated monopolies. Yeah. But it's really interesting. How long have we been talking? 20, 25 <laughs> minutes? I suspect we could do about four podcasts where you and I just chat about, about the energy transition. It's it's so interesting. It's it's in some cases it can be it can be literally that you know it's that granular level of somebody on a um you know a prepayment meter and saying, well I, I can't afford to put that in because I've got to go and do the food shop today. Um, right up to the, as you say, the, the network operators who manage the cables into your home and 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 maybe processes within those organisations that that are. I mean, right now I've seen a notification come through today: getting approval to connect solar to the grid is taking longer than it's ever done before. It is a utility scale project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a domestic scale, you know. Really, actually, there's a there's a there's a there's a, a blockage at the moment in processing domestic G eighty nine. I think it is applications to connect to the grid. I mean, I, I, yeah. There's, if you if you think there's, you know, how many we're doing? What is it? One and a half thousand homes a month at the moment mm-hmm. are getting solar. It's a big number. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lot for a, a, a DNO to cope with. A very a very um, manual process, which is physically checking each one, and when that when we know their systems don't necessarily have that data. But it's been it, honestly, it's been it's been in, incredibly interesting. You're going to be coming over to Liverpool. More often to, so. uh, to, like to see it, us, yeah. yeah. So um, definitely have you back on again. So thank you very much Thanks, for your Simon. time, and uh, and thank you very much for everybody for for watching. As I say, you can register for the Heto Energy Challenge Group by visiting heto.com backslash uh, sorry heto.co.uk backslash energy challenge group, and uh, and follow us on our social media channels. Thank you for watching.